If you can look at someone, look at the person next to you and tell them, roadblocks will always be there. So what? Go, go ahead, go ahead, get, get your head all, you know, ladies, you know, you go get, get yourself, you know, and, and get an attitude about it. Go ahead and tell them, roadblocks will always be there. So what? Okay, do it, do it again. I, I, everybody's not in it, into this thing. You, you, you got you to say this with passions. Roadblocks will always be there. So what? Okay, now, good, good, good. Okay, everybody's nice and free. Would you look with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, 22. 20 through 22. If you remember, uh, last week, uh, what, what was the, the topic? What was the, the headline? I have access. And boy, I don't know about you, but I was blessed last week. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. If you were tra uh, traveling with us, you would realize that this Sunday, we are picking up where we left off last Sunday. Because in the same chapter, uh, we ended last week with the story of the renewing the, 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 uh, the skin that holds the new wine. And we talked about the fact that God can renew old skin where nobody else can. Today, we're not going to be talking about access. We're going to continue on challenging you to think differently because roadblocks will always be there. So what? Matthew 9, 20, 22 says, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, for she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be well. I shall be made whole. I shall be healed. I shall be renewed. If only... I touch the hem of his garment. I shall be made well. Luke 8, and I believe 40. Don't go there. Don't, you don't have to go there, but I just wanted to touch on it. It's the same story. And it says, uh, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all, we're just adding this because I want to give you more volume to the story. Uh, this, uh, the, the, the Matthew verse uh, text does not add this to it. Who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude 
have been throwing themselves and pressing against you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touch me, for I perceive power going out of me. And that's the same story out of Luke. There were other instances where people touched Jesus too. And they're outside of this one. Uh, Mark 6, 53 through 57, Mark 6. You can just write this down. I want to give you some, 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 some volume so that you have stuff to talk about and discuss when you're not here. Uh, Mark 6, 53 says, <clears throat> when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, Jesus. 55, ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or countries, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. So it wasn't the only time, but we're going to focus on this time. Scholars have concluded that there had to be one or three issues going on with this woman. The first would be uh, man or menorrhagia. Menorrhagia. It's uh, heavy menstrual bleeding that goes on way beyond seven days. Doctors say that if you are, a woman is, is physically having to, to change an undergarment within two hours, continuously during a period, then, then she has probably got symptoms of what this is, menorrhagia. The other is a condition called hemorrhoids. And there are a lot of us who have had our bout with hemorrhoids. When you eat food and not drink enough water, then you don't have enough fluid passing through your intestines to push that food through properly. And so you become somewhat constipated. And that causes a lot of people to do excessive pushing. And that pushing strains veins and muscles in the rectum that causes swelling or excessive bleeding. And we call that hemorrhoids, it's very painful. But both of those conditions are periodic. We could see them stopping. We could see them coming and going. They may be for a lifetime, but you can see them stopping and coming, going and stopping. 
The only other one that they've mentioned is uh, uh, hemophilia. It's a blood disease that is connected that is connected to a person's inability to clot. It's 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 it moves from family to family. You pick it up in your genes. Hemophilia. If you get a little bruise or a little 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 bump, can bleed and little scratch just continues to bleed. The the clotting agent is not there. We we don't know which one of these was really fully active in this poor woman. But what we do know is that it was bad for her because of what the Bible says in Leviticus. You can't pull up Leviticus for me. Leviticus 15, and these were the laws, right? These were the laws the Jews were living under at the time of this story. If a woman has a discharge, and if you're, if you, if you're worried that the Bible only talked about women, after we finish, go back on your own to the same chapter 15, and instead of starting at verse 19, go back up to verse 15, 16, 17, and they'll talk to you about, about the guys. But we're just talking about this condition. It says, if a woman has a discharge, and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days. And whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And whoever touches anything she sits on shall wash his clothes and bathe in the water and be unclean until evening. 23. If anything is on her bed or on anything on which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until evening. And if any man lies with her at all, so that her impurity is on him at the end of her, towards the end of her menstrual cycle, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean also. Nobody, I believe, for many of you, has not gone into the detail of the calamity that this poor woman was handling. This is a calamity that she's facing of blood continuously being excreted from her body. So she is never, ever ceremonially clean. For all intents and purposes, she could be a leper and would have the same treatment. She couldn't get married because if she got married, her husband would be also ceremonially unclean. So both of them can't do anything. He can't work because he's messing with her. He can't make a living because he's living in the same house with her. 
He can't make money because he's lying in the same bed with her and he is ceremonially unclean. But the Bible is saying that you, the woman would be ceremonially unclean if she had a menstrual cycle and that would last for seven days. So for seven days, she would be out of range. Nobody visits, nobody touches, nobody spends time. You're unclean. But that's not the problem with this poor woman. She has been excreting blood, not for seven days on a menstrual cycle, but for 12 years. People have got to help her. Somebody has got to help, give, donate food. And when they're bringing, they can't go in the house. They need to leave it at the front door. Because if you go in the house with her and she's on ceremony, she's ceremonially unclean continuously. If you went in her house, touched anything in her house, you were unclean. Are you beginning to see the picture of this poor woman's plight? I started to imagine her and what she was going through. And my heart began to bleed for her. Because we read the story and we are thinking, oh, poor thing. Thank you. She got healed by Jesus. But nobody is spending the time on the real issue that created her hopelessness and desperation. Many of us here, if we were that woman, would have been content because of shame, because people despise you and the law says you cannot be in public, would have stayed at home even if Jesus was passing by. The only way you would have got healed, many of us, is if Jesus had decided to come to your house. But this woman showed three things that I want to dig into this morning. And I want to collapse on one major point. That there will be roadblocks to your deliverance everywhere. There will be circumstances and things that will push and try to stop you from connecting to your breakthrough. And all I've got to say is, so what? It's not going to change. You and I have to decide we will just press through it. The first thing that I want to zero in on that I see in this woman is her relenting, her unrelenting courage. Her unre If you are going to get to the place of deliverance for things that have been in your family, that have been in your marriage, have been 
on your job, have been functioning in your life for a long time, weeks, months, many of us years, like this woman. I believe the first thing that has to be active in you is unrelenting courage. Mark 8, 33, 34, in the Living Bible says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, your own issue, your own problem, your own situation, and follow me. Go ahead and look at somebody next to you and tell them, you're going to have to take up your issue. You're going to have to take up your own problems. You're going to have to take up your own mess. Your own cross. And follow there's no getting away from that. You will have, and I will have, to ask God for the unrelenting courage that does not allow us to give up. You cannot get past unrelenting courage to something else. It has to start with unrelenting courage because courage starts on the inside. Look at somebody and tell them, please. Courage starts on the inside. You don't get courageous outside. You don't get courageous because cause, cause, cause you, you, you've got somebody standing next to you with muscles. Because at some point, the muscle man is going to leave. Unrelenting courage is on the inside. And Jesus said, if you're going to have unrelenting courage, you have to make the decision on the inside. We must intimidate our own flesh and mind with righteous proclamation. You, to be able to develop the unrelenting courage on the inside, you have to intimidate your own flesh and mind. What did Paul call it? You gotta buffet your own flesh and your own mind. You gotta beat your own flesh. You gotta intimidate your own person and tell your body, you don't feel like it. I know your eye, my eyes don't see what I want to see, but in the name of Jesus, I am going to confess righteous proclamation because when I speak righteous proclamation the word of God it creates courage on the inside okay let me let me give you an example of that let, let's go to that Galatians 2 20 here's brother Paul speaking uh, uh, tell me if this doesn't sound like a righteous proclamation I am crucified with Christ Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life you see me living now, I, I 
I live not in the flesh, but by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. Is that a proclamation? Do you need to tell the adversary that? When your courage is getting a little low? When you don't think you'll be able to make it? When you are getting a little weak and you're beginning to question yourself? Satan wants you to question God's ability to work. You have to be able to speak righteous proclamation to your own mind. I know what you're seeing. I know what you're seeing, but I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I'm dead. The old me is dead. You're not going to get me like that no more. Nope. Nope. Fornication. Nope. No. No. I'm crucified. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. Drinking and smoking? No, 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 no. I feel you pulling on my back pocket, but uh, I'm dead. I'm dead. That is not me anymore. That part of me is dead. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm living. I'm living a new life now. Living a new life. It's not I, but Christ is living in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You think your body can stand up against that if you keep telling it that every day? Brother, do you think if you got a, a, a little three by five card and every time you are challenged, you pull it out and read it to yourself, five, six, seven, ten times a day, do you think you will be stronger? Absolutely. Because you are reinforcing righteous proclamation that transfers into unrelenting courage that causes you to be the person on the inside that God wants you to be. She had to have unrelenting courage. It's only unrelenting courage would allow you Having a disease that demands you stay inside. Don't put no clothes on. Don't take a shower. That thing going away. You can't wash it off. You can't scrub it off. You just have to be like a leper and stay inside. And even as her mind told her what the law said, even as her mind told her what people say, even as her mind told her what people may do, she kept putting her clothes on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm looking for somebody that's got that kind of press on the inside, that's got the courage that said, I will not be denied. She kept putting her clothes on. She goes to the sink and washes her face. Whatever else she's doing to try and keep the blood from flowing, she's putting clothes on, brushing teeth, combing hair, as if, as if there is nothing wrong. And the devil is looking back and saying, you can't do that. No, you got to stay inside. No, you can't be healed. No, 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 no. I give, I get you right where I think you, you're not going to move from here. And she says, watch me. The other thing that gets me is that she goes outside 
And she starts to follow the crowd that's going with Jesus. But nobody knows and even cares that she's there. Because she is being thrown into the middle of something else that seems to be greater and more important than her problem. Here is a wealthy guy in the community that everybody knows. Two verses before in verse 18, it talks about this guy meeting Jesus as he comes in with his disciples. And he starts to talk to him as a teacher, as a respected man of God. Who do you think everyone was looking at? You got, you got awesome teacher speaking to rich man. And he says, you got to come to my house because my daughter is sick. I really need you to come over. Oh man, you guys, uh, you, 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 you gotta, you gotta see this. You, you, you got, you gotta see this. You gotta see this. While verse 18, while he spoke, Jesus, these things, what these things, what we talked about last week, huh, uh, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him saying, my daughter has just died. She ain't just sick. But come and lay your hands on her and she will live. So Jesus rose and followed him. So did his disciples. The story is going along real nice and neat. And then all of a sudden, in verse 20, it says, and suddenly, she's not even supposed to be there. Thank God we understand that Jesus knew she would be coming anyway. But in the natural, that sounds crazy. She's out of time. She's out of season. She's out of appointment. She's out of position, but she's coming anyway. Somebody here has been standing at the gate of a roadblock. Standing at the gate of a roadblock. Pushing, bumping, doing everything, but just by faith walking through. And saying, God, like, like Daniel, if I die, I die. Like Esther, if I die, I die. Like Job, if I die, I die. But I'm telling you right now, I am not giving up my faith. I am not stopping my press. I am not turning back. I am not speaking negative. I am not changing my praise. I'm going to worship until I get breakthrough. That's what I'm talking about here. She has unrelenting courage. Number two, that was inward. Number two, number two. She had brave aggression. <laughs> if you think as a believer, you're going to win some battles, some of the things that you're facing without brave aggression, 
you've made a mistake. Because the, the unrelenting courage is on the inside. But how many of you know that the, the change on the inside didn't really happen if there's nothing shown on the outside? It don't matter how much you say, I pray in tongues. I fast every week for seven days. I mean, there's not been a week that I haven't spent four days fasting. You can say everything you want to. You could convince me that something has changed on the inside. But the only way I will know is when you do something on the outside. It's called fruit inspection. She put her clothes on. She got dressed. Whatever she had to do, put on extra padding and clothes. She timed it right so that no blood would be flowing at the point when she meets the multitude. She planned it, knowing very well that if she was caught, it meant death. No, nobody heard me. Somebody didn't hear me. She knew you're breaking a law and you're, you're knowingly doing it. If you are caught according to the law and you are in a crowd, we don't know how many people in the crowd have got to be purified for seven days. What you are carrying is a, is a, is a, is a disease. That the only way we can protect ourselves is by isolating you. And here you come, touching and bumping and rubbing everybody in the crowd. But she decided that she will have brave aggression. Brave aggression. Brave aggression. Brave aggression. How do you have brave aggression? How do you and I have brave aggression? How do you and I have brave aggression? You have got to step into the arena of the problem. You've got to step into the adversary's arena and take something. She walked into a place where she shouldn't be and she said, God, if you are God, you're going to look after me. But I'm not living this way anymore. The only time and way that you will get into an aggressive, a, a brave place of aggression to secure your breakthrough is if you are able to get to a place that says, even if I die, even if I die, I am not going to give up. I am not going to give up my faith. I'm not going to mix and match. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this, 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 this sitting on the fence thing. I'm not going to be, be in the holy one day and unholy the next day. I am not going to do that. If I die, I die. If I lose my family, I will. If I lose friends, I will. If I, if my neighbor don't talk to me, I will. If my boss decides to fire me, I will. For being righteous. And I'm not talking about going to your job and walking around praying in the spirit loud. Your boss needs to fire you for that. I'm not talking about walking around on your job with a, with a, a, a cross the size of, of a, you know, 
just to prove that you're a Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about doing your job with your Bible under your arm like, like, like it's a crutch or something. I am talking about just standing and being strong in your faith and your belief. Uncompromising is what we say. Uncompromising. Is there something that, that you have compromised in or on that you need to go back and address? Because your breakthrough has to beat that place of, of compromise. Your, your victory has to walk through the place of compromise. You have to take that ground back. You cannot go further than that. You have to reestablish your position of uncompromising faith and trusting God. I want you to look at something, Philippians 3.12. Here's Paul again. Ooh, I wish that, that writing was a little bigger. But I'll read it here. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. It is not that I have already reached this goal or have already become perfect. But I keep pursuing it. Hoping somehow to embrace it just as I have embraced, I have been embraced by the Messiah Jesus. Reading it from the uh, International Standard Version. Brothers, Verse 13, I do not consider myself to have embraced it all yet, or, or, or I don't consider to myself to have won it all yet. But this one thing I do know, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I keep pursuing the goal to win. I keep pressing towards the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly call in Messiah Jesus. Therefore, and this is the, we, we always stop at 14, but I want you to see this. I included it for, for particular reason. 15 says, therefore, those of us who are mature, full grown or perfect, should think this way. It's right there in front of us. If you want to know if you are maturing, check your press. If you want to know if you are growing, check your tenacity. If you want to know if you're maturing in God, check your position. Are you backing up two steps and then walking forward once? Have you spent your life as a believer going back six steps and coming forward two? Or have you been inch by inch? Everything is a cinch. This race is not for the swift, but it's for those who what? Endure. Meaning you stand your ground and you don't give up any ground. You don't say, hallelujah, bless God. I thank you for my healing today. 
And tomorrow, you're panicking because you got a cough. Psalms 27, 4, and I'm closing in. We're getting there. Brave aggression is what I'm talking about. Point two. Psalms 27, 4, amplified. One thing, this is old David now talking. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that I will seek. Does this, sound, does this sound like he's just taking a stroll? Does this sound like he is just casual about his trust in God? Does this sound like, like he is hit and miss right here? Does this sound like he's not transparent before God and is willing to do whatever God says to do? One thing I desired and that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That I may stay in his presence forever. You don't have to be perfect to be pursuing the presence. You don't have to be, listen, pursuit is perfection. Let me say that again. Pursuit the world says you got to reach the goal before we can say you ended perfectly. God says, if you just pursue me with all of your mind, soul, and heart, you're perfect. The perfection with God is not in reaching heaven, is in pursuing and not looking back. Ah, glory be to God. Hallelujah. If you get that in your spirit, your relatives or your friend, they ain't going to mess with you when you make a mistake. Because you will know that God knows the difference between an attitude of sinfulness and a mistake. Everybody else looking at, oh, look what you did. Like, oh, I can't believe you did that. And God is looking at you and said, yeah, baby girl, come on, come on, young man. Come on, son, come on, come on, come on. I see your heart. I see your heart. Your slip is not, is not, is not to heart. It's, 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 it, no, 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 there you are. You're like, David, you straighten it out. Immediately, uh, my Holy Spirit has pointed it out, and you, you got yourself right. You can walk in perfection. <sighs> Number three, and this is our last point. It takes crazy faith. To do what she did, it takes crazy faith. She puts her clothes on. She goes outside. She walks into the crowd with unrelenting bravery and starts moving people. Like if she has a right to be there. Let me tell you, you are a child of God. You have a right to be there. Whatever you are going through, whatever the adversary may have told you, whatever you have gone through in your family or may have happened to you along the way, you have a right to be there. Come on, look at somebody and tell them, I have a right to be here. I have a right 
Come on now. I have a right to walk into his presence. I have a right to praise him. I have a right to call on his name. I have a right to feel his presence. I have a right to taste and see that he's sweet. I have a right. I have a right. I'm not letting the devil tell me anything different. He can look at my flesh. He can talk. Oh, you look, look what you did. Oh, oh, oh. You can do whatever you want, devil. All I know is I am constantly in a place of repentance. I sit there, I stay there, and I worship God. You got to have crazy faith. Because even after she got all the way through the crowd, now, even before she left the house, she had to be sure <laughs> oh my God. She had to be sure before she left her house that whenever she gets to Jesus and she touches him, something's going to happen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's so many believers, our pastor, that are, they want to have a touch first before they believe. They want to feel, oh, the Spirit of God slain them before they believe. They want to they have the experience before the belief. And this woman had crazy faith. She believed that all she had to do was put her clothes on, was get dressed, was step outside, was get to the crowd. Without an appointment, without a schedule, without Jesus knowing, or so she thought. And then when she gets there to touch the hills, uh, I know I got it. I know I got it. Hallelujah. You want to hear what it sounds like for us today? Uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, now fate is... Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. <sighs> to do what she did, you got to have now faith. You got to have now faith. You got to have now faith, now faith, now, 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 not yesterday, not yesterday, forgetting those things. It's not like I have reached my goal, but this one thing I do know, I'm not looking back at yesterday. I'm not beating myself up over yesterday. I'm not kicking myself in the behind over yesterday. I am going to press forward from today. I'm going to have now faith. I'm going to have now belief. I'm not going to have now commitment. I'm going to have now trust. I'm going to have now belief. Now faith is. Now. 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 Once again, I'm telling you. <laughs> The roadblocks will always be there. She had her, she had her roadblocks. Your roadblocks in school, guys, gonna always be there. 
there's always going to be somebody in your class, at your school, that tries to tell you that being a Christian is the most foolish thing you could do. There's always going to be somebody that's going to try to challenge your faith and tell you that what you are trusting God for is foolishness. But you got to understand, it doesn't matter what they say. They are not speaking to you from a position of stability. They don't have a rock to stand on. That calamity is going to hit them in the same way it hits you. And by goodness, they better find the God that you know. Because, because I'm hearing it left and right. The, 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 the suicide rate among middle and high schoolers in the country is higher than it's ever been. And the phenomena is being paired with one other thing that nobody can explain. These youngsters today taking their lives are not even leaving a note behind. In the old days, they would commit suicide. They would hang a, a bow tie, I mean a tie from the door and hang themselves somewhere in a locker, but they would have a note. Do you understand? 90% of the kids that are committing suicide today are committing suicide and the adults that are committing suicide are committing suicide and not leaving a note. They don't know why they did it. And you're going to let somebody tell you that you shouldn't be a Christian? <laughs> don't let them fool you guys. Don't let them fool you. Don't let them fool you. Don't let them fool you. Come on now. Give God a hand. Don't let them fool you. Don't let them fool you. If they had the answer, they would tell you in a note. Well, they can't even do that now. Bow your heads with me. Your God is able today. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Somebody this morning, somebody this morning, somebody this morning. Hallelujah. As God is building up in you unrelenting courage, unrelenting courage so that you get off. You get up, you get up, you get up. Stop sitting down. You get up, you get up. You make a move. You got unrelenting courage because God is doing something on the inside. Someone here today, someone here today is taking on brave aggression and saying, I'm going to put my clothes on. I'm going to get right with God and I'm putting my foot forward into the crowd. Yeah, there's somebody here today. That is trusting God for crazy faith. You have been here, you have stood, you come to church, you pay your tithes. But 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 for you, it's not a matter of, of, of being being a Christian or, or or not being a Christian. It's about getting to the next level. It's about being the example for your family. It's about being the flag that tells them they can come to Jesus. Look at me. And you are asking God to give you relentless faith or crazy faith, sorry. If you were anywhere in one of these three areas that this woman had to walk through, God said, I got you, man. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. There's nothing too hard for me. 
There's nothing too hard for me. There's nothing too hard for me. There's nothing too hard for me. Bow up, everyone. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. I'm not even looking. If you're here this morning, hallelujah, and you're asking God, you're asking God to give you unrelenting courage, unrelenting courage, unrelenting courage, unrelenting courage. Wave your hand up. I need courage because I've been sitting too long. Fear has kept me down. Fear has kept me from moving. I'm stuck. God said, I'm going to give you courage. 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 I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that. I see. I see that other hand. I see. God has given you unrelenting courage. If you are here today and you have stood up, you've changed position, but you're still not moving forward. You need brave aggression. You need Holy Spirit to come and fill you up. So that you don't, you don't just stand there and say, I'm a Christian, I'm protected. God help me to go through. But you move forward and take territory. If you're here asking God, God give me brave aggression. I don't want to be someone that just backs up. I want to move forward. Wave your hand, wave your hand, wave your hand, wave your hand. Wave your hand. Give me, give me brave aggression, Lord, so that I stand for you. I stand on your word. I stand on your promise. I don't give up. I don't back down. I start moving forward inch by inch. And then you, the last group who is trusting God for crazy faith. You got stuff in your family, stuff in your house, stuff in your life that is not going anywhere. Without crazy faith. Without crazy faith. This is the faith that said, and even if I die, 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 I am not, I am not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Would you stand with me? Would everyone stand, please?